The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Well, welcome back to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations and Community Relations uh, in Arena Voice of the Week Kings, co-host Brandon Crow, the Radio Voice of the Week Kings. Crow, how are you? I'm great. Uh, it's uh, The cold has kind of let up a little bit, a little bit of snow falling. It feels like uh, the heart of hockey season right now. Especially after trade deadline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now you can turn your focus to playoffs, and this city is desperate for some playoff hockey here in the Wheat City. It'll be awesome if the Wheat Kings can get themselves some home ice advantage, avoid the fair, and bring back those unbelievable uh, fans in for the playoffs. Uh, I have only called one home playoff game in my four years around, but I grew up coming to playoff games. Really looking forward to getting that push for the second season going here. And with this latest streak, that's definitely going to help make that maybe a reality for the first time, like you said, in a few years. So... It's been a lot of fun to watch, eh? Six wins in a row, and you know, I go back a couple of years when Logan Thompson helped backstop this team to ten in a row, mm-hmm. which tied the record from the smiley face season. If we all remember uh, the whole soccer ball incident that became kind of the mysterious uh, secret good luck ghost of this franchise, but uh, you know, six in a row, there's nothing to, nothing to laugh at. I mean, there's, they've all been different style games. There's been some different types of opponents, but a big 2-1 victory over Red Deer on Friday. But it was a weird day Friday. First time in a long time there's a game day on trade deadline day. Now, Brandon made probably their biggest move Thursday night, the night before Johnny Hooker to Prince George for Reed Purpolek, then a minor trade on Friday, Bodie Hagen to Swift Current for a 2021 sixth-round pick. Now, Reed Purpolek is a guy that fans are going to like. You look mm-hmm. at the way he plays and the way he played in his debut Friday night, he's big, he's heavy, he loves to mix things up and throw his weight around. I think that he is a guy that fans are all of a sudden going to sit up on the edge of their seat a little bit every time he comes on the ice. Well, you could tell right away the fans were ready to cheer for him when he started throwing those those big hits. All of a sudden, some of the Rebels, they didn't want to go into the corners, it almost seemed anymore, because they just didn't want to be hit. Uh, but he's kind of from the area, too, right? Like, he was born and raised in Yorkton, so he sort of knows the area. And what I found really interesting was uh, in the post-game interview, when we were talking to him, of course, it was a whirlwind day. I mean, he gets traded while they're on their road trip. So I mean, They were in Saskatoon. And, and even that, can you, like... The poor kid gets traded, and then he doesn't have time to even pack up his room, right, and kind of get ready for that move. It's like, well, whatever he had is now with him here. So, yeah, he gets traded on the road trip. He arrives here, like, hours before game time. Uh, His skates didn't get here until right before game time. And then he goes out there and has to play a game with his new team. Uh, It was probably a whirlwind of emotions to to, to go through that. Uh, Also, you know, probably just a pretty cool day emotionally because of, like I said, the fact that he's from sort of the area in Yorkton. And uh, in the post-game interview, we actually heard a very cool story about his first experience with the Weekings. So this is the first place, uh, you know that peewee tournament that always happens in this, is, and uh, Braden and Shen actually uh, came to our locker room and gave us a stick, and this is actually the first place I've ever toured a Western Hockey League dressing room or ever been to a game, so it's pretty it's pretty crazy that I'm in a Weekings jersey now, so it's very exciting. So, you know, like we, we talk a lot about the local guys and obviously, you know, their experience growing up idolizing the Wheat Kings and getting to do that. But there you go. It kind of shows that the reach around the area when those tournaments come in and the Wheat Kings, when they do those little visits, it really does obviously make an impact for him to remember that all these years later. Yeah, you know what? You know, I, I spent my first five years working up in Melfort, Saskatchewan, and they had a peewee team come every year 
to that tournament of champions, same tournament that he's talking about. And once I got to know some of the family members, some of the parents, even some of the kids, uh, still to this day I get a mom or a dad text me saying, hey, we're coming to the weekend game tonight. We're really looking forward to it. This is a big deal for all the boys. And and they're from a, a small town in the middle of Saskatchewan, right next to Prince Albert Raider country. So it's pretty cool that he got to experience that. And, uh, you know, you could sense his excitement. He was buzzing. I joked with Pete that he probably wasn't going to sleep after that game. <laughs> He was just on cloud nine. Uh, I know he didn't play a lot, minus one, no shots on goal, uh, but he certainly made an impact and uh, looking forward to what he can do moving forward. Uh, I mean, the, 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 he did not practice with the team. He barely got his, you know, probably loading all the names in the dressing room before the game well, started. Well, he said he didn't so. know anyone other than Luca Berza. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's got to be a tough situation to go into. Uh, but, I mean, although I considered, he definitely made a good first impression, I got to feel. Trade deadline, a bit of a wild one now. I mean, we talked about it on the pregame show back on Friday, but all the other teams and all the other moves that were made. Now, Brandon kept it pretty quiet, pretty quiet trade deadline day. And, you know, we had an opportunity to sit down with Darren Ritchie and talk about why he made the moves that he did or why he didn't make moves. And it was really a neat perspective you know, to not really talk about maybe the X's and O's of, you know, what why he likes a player, but maybe the X's and O's of what goes into a whole week-long trade deadline. It was a really neat to conversation. Or even just the fact that sometimes the, it's, like, emotional decisions, right, where we're going to hear, like, kind of with the whole Bodie Hagen trade, there is a hockey aspect, but there's also a, a personal aspect. I think um, it that also... You just do, you want to... Do you you want you want to give the kid justice, right? Like you want to give the whole situation justice, especially because a lot of times they're drafted in as a as a fifteen year old. You get to meet the parents, you get familiar with the family, and then you're you're you know, the scouting staff. They're ongoing conversations with the family and the players. You get to know them pretty well, and you know you have them out to you know for prospects camp. You have the big team dinner. You get to know everybody. Uh, it, it's always emotional, and and he's made a couple of real emotional trades so far this year. Obviously, trading away Zach Whitting and and Caden Daly, two guys that you know have been in this program for a long time. And I think it also changes it as well. And he touched on it a little bit having his son play on the team and going through this as the first time GM, also as a first time parent. I think it changes the perspective a little bit, and it was neat to hear the way he kind of justified. I don't know if justification is the right word, but the way he described how this week all went down. It was really neat. And not just for him, but for the rest of his staff as well. Like, yeah, this is you know Darren Ritchie's first time going in a trade deadline as GM, but same thing with his assistant GM, Doug Gasper. I mean, this was Doug's first goal, and a lot of their scouts don't change, but a few of them have as well. Um, so, yeah, like this is kind of the, the, the first for a handful of guys. Um, and to and, not, I mean, to not have Kelly McCrimmon around, who did so right, many, so many trade deadlines and yeah. pulled off some amazing deals in the past. Um, I mean, you, they, they still obviously utilize him, but it's not like he's sitting in the boardroom, you know, making calls himself, like he has, you know, in the years leading up to the last handful. So uh, I, I know that the experience they would have gained from, you know, Rich's perspective, being in that room with with Kelly for all those years on every January tenth, probably helped him, but. Uh, you know, to to see what they did, what they didn't do in comparison to the rest of the league, it was kind of a slower trade deadline than we've seen in the last couple of years. But uh, I think Brandon fans are going to be happy with Reed, and I think Brandon fans are going to be happy for Bodie Hagen, who made his debut with Swift Current. He's going to be a guy that's no longer going to be a healthy scratch every night, and it's good to see him going to get his development chance here now. And right now, let's hear from the GM of the Brandon Wee Kings that we discussed trade deadline. Here is Darren Ritchie. So here we are back in the Brandon Wheat King boardroom, joined once again, just a couple of weeks after our first initial discussion with him, GM Darren Ritchie. Darren, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's been a busy uh, couple of days for you, uh, probably more a couple of weeks with the trade deadline Friday at 4 o'clock. Uh, you make a couple of moves. I know we talked about it uh, that afternoon, but uh, now that you've had time to kind of digest and, and sit on it for the weekend, uh, what are your overall thoughts and overall assessment of, of what the Brandon Wheat Kings and you and your staff were able to, to do on Thursday and Friday at the trade deadline? 
Well, it's, uh, you know, getting Reed Purperluck was uh, a guy that we had, uh, you know, targeted. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, we uh, we got him at the, on the on the ninth. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to add uh, some speed to our team, some size uh, on the wing, which is uh, kind of what we needed. So uh, we're happy to add him. Uh, he obviously had a whirlwind uh, couple days there, got here and played on uh, – Friday is yep. it now? Sorry, and uh, you know played well, played well for a guy that hadn't practiced, hadn't done anything, didn't know many guys on our team, and uh, you know he'll get uh, more comfortable as we go ahead, and and uh, we'll probably get better as we go forward as well. I think the Weeking fan base is going to like his style of play right away, throwing the body in that in that first game. Just seemed like he brought a real physical presence. Yeah, for sure, he's uh, real good on the forecheck. He separates guys from the puck. He's going to open up some ice for. The guys that he plays with, and uh, you know he he's a big body, and he'll get himself to the front of the net, and uh, you know it was something that we were looking for. There were two or three times in that game where guys from Red Deer heard him coming and bailed out at the last second because <laughs> they didn't want to get walloped by him. I know Zach Smith took a hard check in the corner and he missed a couple of shifts. And when you look at the guys you've added, and I know Perry asked you this on Friday. You go back to Dom Schmeeman, Duncan Pierce, and now Reed Purpleck. They're all kind of cut from a very similar cloth. Is that something that coming into training camp you knew you needed to address, or is that based on first month and a half, two months of the season? You thought, you know what, we need to get a little bigger, bigger, a little bit tougher. Uh, probably kind of knew what we needed, knowing what we had coming back. I think uh, you have lots of discussions. You want to always watch your team and let them play and, and let them dictate, dictate what, what you're going to do. And you know, when you watch us uh, early on, we have great speed, we have lots of skill. So. Uh, to add those three players that you mentioned, Dom, Duncan, and now Reed, I think uh, they complement our guys. They give us some size. They play some, you know, they play hard. And uh, I thought we could, we needed some of that, and uh, the coaches as well. And uh, you know, we're fortunate that we could uh, add those uh, three uh, guys. Now, not just the deadline day, Rich. I, I want to ask, what was it like for you in the two weeks leading up to that? Well, there's lots of discussion. You're talking. You know, you're trying to find out what teams are doing, what they're looking for. Uh, a lot of that is just kind of feelers, kind of seeing what's going on. Uh, you know, you hear lots, and you got to start trying to figure out uh, facts from friction. I guess is probably the best way of saying it. And then worrying about your team and worrying about what is the best to do for your team and. We really felt from Christmas on we've been playing really good hockey and uh, wanted to uh, do something to help our team get better and, and take a bit of a step. You've got a large staff kind of working underneath you. It all starts with Doug and then the rest of your, your scouting staff. So when a trade comes about or, or when a player is offered to you, what are some of the steps and maybe the kind of emergency call tree you have to make? Like, are you are you talking to Dave and Donnie first, or are you talking to a scout that may be in that provincial region that sees a guy? Do you talk to Kelly McCrimmon right away? How, how who who kind of stepwise are you calling to try and figure out? Hey, do we want this guy, and is it worth it? Well, everybody has an opinion, and uh, I think you know, uh, you know I learned that from Kelly is that you you talk to everybody. So obviously, we talked to Donnie, Dave, and and to Mark, and to see what the, what they would like to get. And obviously you ask, not all the time you're going to get what they want. And uh, uh, again, uh, Doug and I will discuss. We have a list of guys, and then we usually have uh, we have a thing called Rink Net, which is everybody in the league has, and it, it has every team in our league, and, and you write reports on players. So if there's a certain player that you like, you go and check and see what the what your guys have thought of, about them from, it, you'll have it right from Bantam, 
to know. So you have a good uh, a good book uh, on most players in our league. So you do that, and then uh, you know I always kept uh, Kelly up to date what's going on, and uh, you know you always bounce things off him. Obviously, he's seen pretty much everything, so you bounce ideas off him. Doug and I talked probably every day, and then Doug uh, got into Brandon on Tuesday. Uh, morning and then we sat in the boardroom and stared at each other for until <laughs> uh, the 10th and uh you know because there's a lot of there's a lot of downtime too but you're, you're you're trying to figure out what the next step is what teams are doing uh, and, and just trying to help your team and the biggest uh thing that their number one priority is your team and don't worry about what everybody else is doing worry about what you want to get for your team and and help them uh keep getting better I imagine it's a very stressful time for you to go through this, especially the first time. Was there this sense of relief once the deadline hit that it's kind of over? Well, it's uh, yeah, it's it is stressful. It's uh, you're trying to trying to help your team, and you know at times you think you're not getting anywhere, and you're you know you feel like you're letting people down, and your organization down. So it's uh, it is stressful, and you try to again just stay what you're trying to do. Don't uh, don't get blindsided by things you just gotta keep working hard to find the right fit for your team and yeah it's uh you know it, when the 10th at four o'clock is over you're you know that day we had a game right so now you're excited for the game you know uh reed was gonna be here so you're now you're excited you want to see what the team's gonna look like and, and i mean probably it's not fair to our team because nobody's we haven't practiced as a group and so we're not uh that's probably not a fair assessment but you want to see your new player mm-hmm. and uh so you're excited about that and now uh we've only played once and now we've had some days off so you know Wednesday's the next time we're playing so yeah, I think guys will have practice uh, time here and uh you know it's you know you're happy uh, we're we're happy with what how it's all played out. You know, I, I know that a lot of you know sports fans and, and in general have watched movies, whether it be Moneyball or whether it be the one with the Cleveland Browns. I think it was called Draft Day with Dennis Leary. How much of what you know the the media in Hollywood portrays a trade deadline like, where you're picking up the phone saying you got two minutes to call me back, or I'm trading them somewhere else? <laughs> how much of that is, or is it all just sending a text saying, "Hey, what's the scoop on this guy, and are you interested in moving him?" How, how realistic are those portrayals? Well, there's lots going on, and guys do have deadlines that they, you know, you got going on. So it's not, you know, there's some truth to it for sure, and there's some that you know, obviously movies they always kind of <laughs> blow things up a bit more than normally, but. It's uh, it's interesting. You're always, you know, the phone's going. That last two days, it gets really busy. Especially the the ninth was real busy. Uh, there were lots of phone calls, lots of conversation. You know, the tenth wasn't as busy. We kind of uh, were just kind of seeing what was going on. And there's a couple, you know, things that maybe can get done. But you know, it's it, it's late now, right? So uh, we were very comfortable uh, with what we did on the ninth. There was no like crazy blockbuster deals across the league. There like there has been in a couple of years past. There were a few big deals. Anything that kind of surprised you or shocked you though, like across the league? No, no. You pretty much knew what was going on and who was uh, going. You know, or you know, you're hearing things that you think. So there was mm-hmm. nothing that surprised me. Plus, I really believe there's a lot of teams that still think they can win, and right. there's probably you know the three U.S. teams think the three. BC teams, uh, the Central's really good, and the three teams, four teams in our division have a chance. So I, I wasn't surprised that there wasn't a huge, uh, crazy things that you didn't know about, but I think the guys that you kind of heard uh, that might get moved 
dig it moves. So you hear lots of things at this time of year, right? So, Well, Swift Current, I think, has done a pretty decent job in the last couple of years restocking the cupboard after the championship year. They finally get a first-round pick back from Everett, which is extremely important, and that's kind of where I wanted to, to lead you into this. Now, Dave Lowry, had I had gone into the coach's office to do my pregame interview, and I said, in your opinion, is the, is the four second-round picks that Winnipeg gave up for Dawson Bartow? That seems like a lot. And Dave Lowry said, well, yeah, maybe it is, but it depends on how you value your second-round picks and your third-round picks and your fourth-round picks. Your guys as a staff, do you have a, a certain untouchable round picks you want to always keep, or is it based on the draft class, or how do you classify your draft picks that you have in your back pocket? Well, I try not to go two rounds without picking. That's the biggest thing. I think there's no pick uh, that's untouchable. I think you got to make sure you space it the right way, and if you have multiple picks, then that helps, obviously. But I, I for Doug and I, we talked about it. We don't want to go two rounds because one round sitting for one round is a long time. Two rounds is that's forty four players exactly. So that's that's a lot of players. That's a lot of that's a lot of players. Yeah. So uh, we value the picks. Uh, all picks are very valuable. They are, and uh, especially your top three rounds. Those are really good players. And then obviously this year the draft. Everybody talks that it's going to be a a strong draft, and you want to make sure you have uh, those picks. Well, three players have already applied for exceptional status. Now, I touched on Swift Current. You made one other deal on trade deadline day. Bodie Hagen goes to Swift Current for a 2021 sixth-round pick. Now, again, we talked about it Friday. That's just a kind of a an opportunity to get Bodie into the lineup every night and create some room for the depth that's pushing from the bottom up in this organization, is it not? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Bodie's a great player, a good, 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 good kid. And uh, it was just... Uh, he needed to play. He needed to play, and this was an opportunity for him. And uh, I think uh, when he's 19 and 20, he's going to be a real good player in our league. And uh, you've seen it over the years with uh, smaller players. It takes a while. And this guy is a really smart player. He's going to be a good player in our league. And it, it just made sense with this year's team. And then, obviously, we have you know a, a handful of players coming in uh, next year as well. So it just gave him an opportunity to get in there and get himself started in Swift. Now, he fell into that rule where you have to ask permission from the parents and the player, right? Is That's the new rule with his age. Was that maybe the first time you guys had done something like that, or is that how did that all shake out? This is the first time, and uh, this is only the reason I did it, is because uh, I wanted the boy to play. Right, and, 100%, and his parents uh, would definitely would be on board with that, for sure. This is, <laughs> this is the only reason. I would never do it for any other reason. Uh, this was a strictly, I want the boy to play, and... Uh, you know, that's uh, how I felt about it. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I, I've, you know, I'm a little different than probably some of the guys in the league because I have a son playing and understand. Uh, you want your boys to always be playing, and you know, I just thought for myself, this is, you know, look at everything differently and and just say, you know what, I, I want boys to play. Uh, this is a great game. They love playing this game. They've grown up playing this game. That's all they want to do. So uh, if it's to give a kid an opportunity somewhere else, I don't mind phoning the family. It's not how I would do it every other thing. But uh, I think in this situation, uh, they understood where I was coming from. And I was, uh, yeah, it was, and it wasn't easy. Like it's, again, we're dealing with young kids and I wanted to make sure uh, I thought about it if I was doing the right thing. And I I really feel that uh, we've done the right thing for Bodie. 
You've got a six-game winning streak at the time of recording this on Monday, January 13th. Now you've got Prince George in Wednesday, Calgary's in Friday, and then into Moose Jaw on Saturday. Now we're already almost into the middle of January, and your team, since December 1st, has kind of turned a corner a little bit. Uh, how much of the recent success went into what you decided to eventually do? Because I imagine, you know, had the team had a terrible month of December and we're on the outside of the playoffs looking in, that might change your approach to deadline day, would it not? Well, I don't think we were we weren't gonna we weren't gonna sell off, and I think our team is good. I think uh, we've been saying it for a while. Our team was better than our record, and it would just take some time with new staff learning how Dave and Donnie and and Mark how although they wanted the team to play, and and we're starting to see it now. And uh, so I wasn't in a hurry to do any of the kind of that stuff. I think uh, you want to try to help your team at all the time and. You know, this it worked out this year this way. We were, we would have been more than you know, happy just to stay what we were. And uh, but this came up, and we thought this was going to help our players become better players and our team be better. And uh, you know, I think our play is really encouraging, and we want to keep playing that. We got a lot of hard games coming up. We've been home at home here for a while too, so uh, we need to uh, get on the road and win some games on the road. That's how you win in the playoffs is on the road when you win a 3-2 hard-fought game. That's how you get better, so we're going to have some of those coming up, and that's uh, that's what you want. Certainly a, a real interesting time uh, here in Brandon as the team uh, tries to extend their win streak this week. Uh, Rich, uh, you know, thanks for doing this again. Uh, we'll leave you alone now for a couple of weeks anyway. <laughs> we'll bring you back on again. Promise. Sometime, you promise? Promise. Well, for now, anyway. <laughs> no, for now. <laughs> hey, anytime. I, I quite enjoy uh, coming on with you guys. And, but next uh, time you come back, I want to hear more of our 90s stories. Yeah, we got to just stop talking about hockey yeah, now. I, yeah. I, I just want to hear some more about guys you played with. and We're using a wooden stick as opposed to Nolan Ritchie and using those fancy <laughs> $200 sticks your son's using now. I imagine if you had one of those sticks, you might have had an NHL career had you uh, had one of those no, sticks. I don't know about that, but I, you know what? I I always enjoyed and all of this with the wind sticks. I really enjoyed uh, heating them up and making a, and curving them. I, that was my favorite to put a little heel curve on them, and uh, uh, that was always uh, you know doctoring up your stick. If you tried people. to explain that to the players now, they wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Not many know. They'd have to YouTube it. Well, I think Scott uh, Scott Halady, the equipment guy, gave Ben McCartney his old stick before practice and said, "Here, give this a shot." And McCartney said, "What is this? What? Do, how do I use this thing?" And it was just heavy and wrapped in tape from one end to the other and I can't imagine the players nowadays using those sticks but uh, Rich this was awesome and uh, best of luck the rest of the way and uh, hopefully uh, we can have you on soon uh, maybe talking a little playoff preview sure anytime guys appreciate it thank you an excellent inside look into the weeking boardroom which was kind of the war room uh, of trade deadline week between Darren Ritchie Doug Gasper all of his scouts um, you know Mark Johnson who's been around this organization for a long time he has his say in there Dave Lowry all the coaches it's a lot that goes into it and uh, it was kind of cool to get a bit of a peek behind the curtain uh, at that and now like he said and like we mentioned you can turn your attention to the second half the playoff push and this four-game homestand wraps up this week two games you got PG in town Wednesday for a real rarity there Uh, they don't come to town very often then a huge game Friday the Calgary Hitmen come to town a team right now that they're desperately battling for playoff positioning in that Eastern Conference as well, uh, and then into Moose Jaw on Saturday. But we want to talk about the next handful of games because this month has been packed. Seven home games. You got Victoria and Lethbridge coming in next Friday and Saturday. But arguably the biggest game of this month comes Friday when Calgary comes to town because of this special little fella right here. And he hasn't been referred to as a little fella in a long time. No. <laughs> Mike Furlan, bobblehead night. 
Fans love bobbleheads, and this is another one that people are already excited about. This is one you're going to want to add to the collection. So this year, the sponsor is TELUS. Uh, so what's going to happen, though, is just the fans know it's a little different, unlike previous years. So... During the first TV timeout, we're going to play the Plinko game where you have the two colored cards. In previous years, the first 3,000 fans have had a chance to win one of 1,000 bobbleheads. This year, instead of 1,000 giving away, we have 1,500. So there's actually 500 more they are going to be given away. Now, the flip side, though, is they're not going to be at pickup at the game. They're actually going to be at the Telestore in the Shoppers Mall starting the next day. So people coming in, the first 3,000 will get one of two different cards. So it's 1,500 of each color, and then we'll determine the winning color during the first uh, during the first TV timeout. Uh, and that's how we're going to find out who gets the bobbleheads. But, yeah, these these for collectors, um, it's something that we that we hear every year, like, got to have one, got to have one. Uh, you know, so if you're coming to the game, and you got two tickets, just make sure you get one of each color. It's even easier this year. You don't have to worry about the third color. Just get one of two, and you're guaranteed to get at least one bobblehead. Or risk it. You know, Try and ask for two of the same color, and then maybe you'll get two. Maybe you're not going to get any, but that's the way it's going to work on Friday night. Uh, Wednesday, though, you mentioned a, a rare one with PG. Also, how kind of you know almost fun is this that the former players who just traded get to play against their former teams like and, this and, th- yeah. this quickly an East first West team so Regis take on uh, PG Johnny Hooker gets to take on the, the Brandon Weekings that's kind of a cool matchup as well for Wednesday I imagine that Johnny Hooker is super excited about this opportunity and so is Reed Johnny scored twice already in in his two games with the Prince George Cougars so he's kind of found a nice home and again when I talked to Darren Ritchie about it like kind of off camera and off microphone about the move he said it's a great fresh start mm-hmm. for Johnny Hooker. We've and, talked about that too. How we just it's yeah. almost as if like he needed just to push the refresh button. A new city's going to help do that, and it's already yeah. paying for him, obviously. And he's got the talent. I mean, we've seen it before. He can score goals, but it's just a matter of the right situation. I think in PG, they're a rebuilding team. They're younger. He's going to get opportunities on the power play. He's already taken advantage of it. So uh, a real fresh start for him, and uh, it, it creates some room for some younger guys in Brandon's system. And of course, Reed, who's come over here now and gotten into a couple of games. How about this though? Since December first. Brandon is now nine two zero and two. We were just actually points. talking about some of this, yeah, yeah, in the office this morning. It has been an incredible stretch of hockey as of late, eh? It's just been a lot of fun to watch, and the games haven't been these like blowouts. It, they've been really tight games, and. Uh, even when you're playing some of the ones that are lower in the standings, even those have been still tight games. Like There has not been a big break either way, and a big part of that has been Yuri Patera. 41 saves the other night, 44 saves the game before. Uh, he's been excellent. He's won, uh, of the six-game winning streak, he's won five of the six, and you go back to the month of, you know, when December came about and they flipped the calendar, the first game was against the Swift Current Broncos. They've been rolling right along. They've outscored their opponents 19-6. to since December 1st. This is a completely different team than what we saw to start the season. And a big part of that has been Yuri. We talked about that last podcast. But if you get Cole Reinhardt healthy here right away, um, and unfortunately Ridley Gregg's going to be suspended for a couple of games due to his goalie interference call on Friday, uh, him and Braden Schneider are going to go off to the top prospects game. They're going to miss a couple of games, uh, or uh, they're going to miss uh, Wednesday's game, but uh, and then he's going to miss you know, with the suspension. But still, once you get everybody healthy and you get this calendar moving into that final road trip through Alberta, this team's rolling right now, and I think a, a home playoff spot is certainly not out of the question right now, getting into the top two in that East Division right now. Not anymore. Not when you look at the standings and where they are. What was that stat you had right there again? What was the, the goal differential? 19-6 to 6 since December 1st. 
Now, I part of that is that big eleven to one win over Moose Jaw. Because <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say the games didn't seem like they're that like yeah. they're that much out of hand. But yeah, I, I got you take that one game out. But still, you're right. I mean, they've been absolutely rolling since that time. One other thing I wanted to touch on, you know, a lot of people um, you know talk about records and and stats and different things. But the stat that I really enjoyed from Friday's game, Connor Gutenberg, that was game two hundred and eighty nine for him. He's now in sole possession of 12th place on the all-time Week Kings games played list. Um, he's three games shy of Brett Thurston, so now he's two games shy of Brett Thurston. Everybody remembers him. And uh, he'll reach the top 10 in franchise games played when he hits game 300. Tegan Moore has 299. If Goody plays every game the rest of the year, he'll finish third mm-hmm. in the all-time games played behind Dwayne Gilowaychuk and Eric Roy. Yep. And if you remember, Gutenberg got hurt in his rookie year and missed 40 games. Had he played that, he'd have run away with it. So... He has been an excellent soldier for this hockey club. He's now the captain. He's he's played exceptionally well since December rolled over. Just a kind of a cool stat to show you how long and and where his name's going to end up in the record book moving forward. You're, you you just nailed it. I mean, we're gonna knock on the table here. We don't want him to miss any games. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no. As long as he he finishes, he's going to finish uh, like you said, like third all time. So it's an unbelievable. And, and stat. you know what? What what a what a great guy to have on that list that you could be proud of. Uh, he's a tremendous person, uh, not just because he's local, but like he's literally just a tremendous person. And I don't think a lot of people had him pictured as a guy that was even going to play at this level. Coming out of AAA, uh, you know, he's a 16-year-old on that championship season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was part of that rookie line with him, Ty Lewis, and Lyndon McCorster, who were excellent all season long. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he just starts, you know, finding his own, finding his own. Now he's a, a face-off guy, a penalty killer, shot blocker. He led the team in fighting majors last year as the, one of the smallest guys on the team. He's a guy I would take on my team any night. And uh, again, congratulations to him on reaching game 289. It'll be game 290 on Wednesday as he keeps climbing that ladder. And if you were to ask the guys who played with him when he was 16, 17, if he would going to be captain one day, be like, no, he never talks. <laughs> he, did, he has found his voice. Like He's developed his personality. He's just a, a great guy. So, no, very excited for him to climb up on that list. He is a lead-by-example type of guy, a follow-me type of guy. And another tie that was just like that, Michael Furland. And he is going to be the guest of honor unofficially on Friday night when the Brandon Wheat Kings welcome the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, once again, 1,500 bobbleheads. You've got a chance. When you come in the door, you'll get a color card. Yep. And then the the uh, Doc Plinko game. purple or green. Purple or green. you got to get one of your two colors. And then we're going to find out uh, what the winning color is. But uh, this Friday, it's a big one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Wednesday's game against Prince George, 7 o'clock start. Uh, Q Country pregame show at 6.30. And then Friday, uh, it is a 7.30 puck drop with the pregame show at 7 o'clock. And then on to the road Saturday into Moosja. Next week, Dave Lowry, part two. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. He gets into some good stuff. I am I was almost wishing we could somehow tag it onto this week just to get it out there so that we could talk about it some more. But yeah, part two of that interview, Dave Lowry will return next week. Excited for that. It is the Weekly Harvest. This is episode four. I'm Crow. He's Falco. And uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. Oh,